My father was a drunk fish keeper that would go to the fish stores drunk and buy a lot of fish. He came home one day and said to my mother, We are getting more fish tanks. He came at me with the bulging fish eyes and says, Alex, you're entering the hobby and getting a fish tank. Mom yells and says, No. He says, Why so serious? <laughs> that is how Aqua Alex got in the fish hobby. Listening to the Aquatic Wetline, a tropical fish keeping podcast hosted by 23 year old fish keeper Aqua Alex Cardinal. For three years, we provided you with quality tropical fish information and we'll continue providing some information on freshwater and saltwater tropical fish. Let's dive down deep into the aquarium and chat fish. Live from his fish room is Aqua Alex. Aquatic Wetline is now live. Because they can no longer 
uh, care for them. And that is what happened with so many species of fish that are invasive now. Oftentimes, fish stores will bring in the fish that they think people will like because of their color or cuteness. For example, someone could walk into a local fish store and see a baby red-tailed catfish and say, oh, look how cute I want him. But the customer does not know that this fish is going to get over three feet in length. Now, I think that a lot of the invasive fish species that are roaming our waters here in the United States is because of the irresponsible fish keepers who did not do their research. It all boils down to responsibility. I really like to tell myself, if you want to get into the aquarium hobby, you really need to do research because some species of fish and a majority of saltwater fish are wild caught, and we are taking them from the oceans. We need to make sure that they have good lives in our aquariums, and, and we want to make sure that they're not foreign invaders in our oceans and rivers and lakes. So it's always important to be a responsible fish keeper. So as mentioned earlier, in the aquarium trade, thousands upon thousands of tropical fish from all around the world, both freshwater and saltwater, enter the USA and the fish hobby. Some of these fish can include fish that grow too large for novice fish keepers to care for, like pakus, arapaimas, clown knife fish, gars, sharks, lionfish, groupers, and more. What happens when you introduce a foreign tropical fish in the ponds, rivers, lakes, and oceans of the United States of America? Find out on this episode of Aquatic Wetline. Now, many of my aquatic freaks, my listeners out there, have encouraged me to do a show discussing invasive species, and I personally think it's a good idea to educate people about the dangers of releasing exotic life into the United States of America waterways. Let's take a look at Florida, for example. They have a plethora of lionfish in the Caribbean oceans, and they are not native there. There are so many lionfish that scientists fear most native fish populations will be wiped out from being eaten by lionfish. There are so many lionfish that people are going diving, catching them to sell them as a food fish, and some wholesalers employ people to catch lionfish in the Caribbean to sell in the aquarium hobby. Now, Florida is also well-known to have exotic freshwater fish in its lakes, ponds, and rivers, such as Oscars, Red Devils, Clown Knives, etc. One common reptile aquatic invader is the Burmese python snake. It is found all over the Everglades in Florida. My good friend, uh, Lynn Masney, who used to live in Florida, said she saw them all the time because they are a really bad invasive reptile species in Florida. What about other states? I'm pretty sure that there are some invasive fish species that cover every single state. So, Here's what is planned for this very special episode 
of Aquatic Wetline, where I'm going to be having a discussion on invasive tropical fish species. I'm going to talk about the tropical fish species that are known to be invasive. Fish like Paku, Oscars, Red Devils, and Lionfish are just some examples. I'm going to talk about what impact these invasive fish species can cause. I'm going to have a lecture on the importance of proper aquarium housing and proper research. I'm going to talk about how to safely rehome or remove tropical fish that you can no longer house or take care of. Gone are the days where people will be releasing fish into the wild if they hear this episode. And I'd like for my message to get out there to all the fish keepers out there who have a fish that they can no longer care for. So tonight, I'm going to tell you the responsible way for rehoming a tropical fish. Plus, I have some huge announcements for the aquatic wetline that will be made live tonight right here on Aquatic Wetline. I've got a lot of stuff to talk about, so let's get started. I'm going to start by discussing some of the invasive species that are known to be in the United States of America. And I'll start with some invasive uh, freshwater fish, most common in Florida. So here we go. Invasive freshwater fish commonly found in Florida. The jewel cichlid. It was found in 1959, and the method of induction is aquarium release and or aquaculture escape. So the Florida Wildlife Commission estimates that this fish was more likely to be an aquarium release than an aquaculture escape. Now, the jewel cichlid is a very aggressive cichlid from Africa. It is a cichlid that is a relative to the African cichlids. It's a very common cichlid in the aquarium hobby. They're bright red with a lot of coloration. However, they are so aggressive that they can kill a lot of their tank baits. And it's safe to assume that some fish keepers had these jewel cichlids in the tank that were killing their fish. And they wanted to get rid of them as soon as possible, so they went and threw them in the Florida riverways. And now jewel cichlids are overpopulating Florida. Another invasive freshwater fish uh, invading Florida is the black acara, a.k.a. the port cichlid. It was found in the early 1960s, and again, people think that the method of induction was aquarium release and or aquaculture escape. There is scientific proof that there is at least one port cichlid in Florida that is an aquarium release, but there is no uh, percentage from what I found on the port cichlids in Florida. Okay, the next common invasive fish in Florida is the blue tilapia. Now, the blue tilapia is a fish that has a young, non-scrapped gray with a black spot at rare of dorsal fin. Adults generally have blue-gray shading to white on the belly, borders of dorsal and casual fins with red to pink borders, broken lateral line, and the spiny dorsal fin is joined to the soft dorsal fin. In central Florida, anglers can assume 
every tilapia they observe in freshwater is a blue. And any tilapia over three pounds is also likely a blue tilapia. Habitat, widespread and abundant in Florida, found in fertile lakes, ponds, rivers, streams, and canals. It is, into, it is tolerant, actually. It is very tolerant of salt water and found in some near-shore marine habitats, such as Tampa Bay. It is native to North Africa and the Middle East, and the blue tilapia was found in 1961. And there is a method of induction that has been proven. And for the blue tilapia, their method of induction was that they escaped from the Florida Wildlife Commission faculty, and they were moved by commercial fishermen. The next Florida fish invader is the brown hapala catfish. The brown hapala is less than a foot long and belongs to a family of armored catfish from South America. They are in the Corridoris family. Now, this catfish has body uh, has bony armor consisting of two rows of large hard scales forming plate-like armor along each side, dark brown to black in color with two pairs of long barbels on chin. Range. They were first documented in the Indian River Lagoon system in 1995. Now it is found throughout central and south Florida from the St. John's River to Lake Trafford. It is native to eastern South America. It was found in 1995, and it is unknown how the Apollo catfish entered Florida, but if I had to guess, most likely it ended up being an aquarium release, and they spawned and, and created more brown Apollo catfish. All right. Another very common invasive species in Florida and all around the United States is the bullseye snakehead. This is an air-breathing, torpedo-shaped fish with flattened head and toothed jaws, long anal and dorsal fins without spines, typically red eyes, body color darkened with age, to deep brown with black blotches, sometimes finged, with bright coma-shaped markings and a red-orange eye spot near the base of the tail. It resembles a bow-fin behavior in appearance, but is distinguished by a long anal fin. Range. The bullseye snakehead remains centered in the Margate Coral Springs, Papano Beach area, where it was first documented in October of 2000. They will likely be limited to the southern half of Florida since temperatures below 50 degrees Fahrenheit are lethal. To the south, this population is bounded by the North New Rival Canal, G15, L36 Canal to the west, and the Hillsborough Canal, G08, to the north. This is the only area from which snakeheads have been documented although Florida Wildlife Commission has received numerous reports of bullseye snakehead elsewhere. They have all turned out to be similar-looking native fish, such as the bowfin. Native range for the bullseye snakehead 
include Pakistan, Malaysia, and southern southern China. It is safe to say that snakeheads call Asia home. And again, this fish was found in 2000. It is unknown how the snakehead entered into Florida waterways, but more than likely it is a fish that was released from aquariums and people kept adding more and more and more until the snakehead was able to establish a population. Another invasive fish is one of my personal favorite aquarium fish, and that is the butterfly peacock bass, a.k.a. Ocellaris peabass. Now, the body shape is similar to that of a largemouth bass. It has a highly variable color, but generally golden with three black vertical bars that tend to fade and are possibly absent in older fish. Black spot with a yellow-gold halo on the cattle fin. Range. It was introduced by Florida Wildlife Commission in large coastal canals of southeast Florida in 1984. Low water temperatures and intolerance of salt water prevent this species from becoming abundant outside of coastal Miami-Dade and Broward counties. Native range lies within the Amazon River Basin of South America. And the peacock bass was found in Florida in 1984. Method of induction. Released by Florida Wildlife Commission to control other non-native fish. Clown knife fish, believe it or not, are an invasive fish species in Florida. You may think that's an understatement or it's not true, but yes, clown knife fish are found in Florida. It's a very distinct flat, silvery fish with a long anal fin that gives the knife fish its common name. Tiny dorsal fin and five to ten black spots ringed with white distinguish it from all other fish in Florida. And as we all know as aquarium hobbyists, juveniles possess dark vertical bands instead of spots. A long anal fin equally allows for forward and backward movements. Range. Clown knives are currently only found in Lakes Osborne, Lake Ida, and their associated canals in southeast Florida. It is native to tropical Asia, Thailand, and Indochina. It is found in 1994 in Florida waters. It is thought to be released via aquarium release and or aquaculture escape. However, I think it is safe to assume that many of the clown knife fish that are in Florida's waters are because clown nets grew too large for people's aquariums, and these people put them in the Florida waters where they're able to establish a population and breed many more clown knives. All right, another fish of mine that is considered invasive in Florida, this is a fish that I have a lot of respect for and a fish that I like, and that is the jaguar cichlid, a.k.a. Managuensin. Now, this fish has a broken lateral line and black and white patterning makes this species distinct. Tooth and protrustable mouth, numerous purple to black spots or blotches on body and fins with series of black squares along their sides. Males are typically larger than females, 
only local species that might be confused with the jaguar cichlid is the black crappie. But jaguar's teeth and broken lateral line instantly set it apart. Now, the Manicuentin cichlid, or the jaguar cichlid, is known mostly from the coastal canal systems of southeast Florida, ranging as far north as West Palm Beach, first reported in 1992 from a photograph of two specimens caught in a farm pond near Miami Canal. Native range is Atlantic Slope of Central and South America, and like I said earlier, the Manicuentin was found in Florida in 1992, and it entered Florida waterways via aquarium release and or aquaculture escape. The Mayan cichlid, a.k.a. False Red Terror Cichlid. Broken lateral line and turquoise ring on the tail are diagnostic. General coloration includes six to eight bars that can be faint or dark. Body color varies greatly in intensity, sometimes with bright red on the chin, throat, and breast, has both spiny and soft dorsal fins, and a rounded catawal fin. It was first recorded in Florida Bay in 1983, and now the main cichlid established and is abundant in South Florida as far north as Lake Okachicabee and the St. Lucie Canal, native to Atlantic Slope of Central and South America. It was found in 1984 in Florida. The Florida Wildlife Commission thinks that this is a possible aquarium release that bred and found a home. Matter of fact, a lot of the Mayon cichlids that do enter the aquarium hobby are caught and captive raised from Florida. I am not a big fan of the Mayon cichlids, the false red terror, because personally I think they are kind of ugly but there are fish that is uh, very popular in the freshwater cichlid hobby. Let's just hope that nobody introduces them to the waterways of southern United States where they have nice temperatures year-round. Oh, man. Another fish that I like from the freshwater hobby is considered an invasive fish in Florida, and that is the Midas cichlid or also the Red Devil cichlid. It has multiple color phases, or morphs, ranging from dull gray and black to orange, red, and even white. All young start off gray, looking much like small bluegill or man cichlid, but most change to brightly colored morphs starting when they are about three inches long. A mottled coloration indicates a fish in transition. In Florida, more than 95% of adults, greater than 10 inches are brightly colored, but this ratio is nearly reversed in their native range. Males and females equally like to be brightly colored. Pronounced forehead neutral hump associated with breeding present in some fish. Like most other cichlids, this one has broken lateral lines. Now the red devil and the mitises were first discovered in Florida in July of 1980, now common in the Black Creek and Cutler Drain Canal systems in Miami-Dade County. Native range includes Atlantic Slope of Nicaragua 
at Costa Rica were more common in lakes than rivers. So they're found from the Black Creek and Cutler Drain Canal systems in Miami County. So the next time I go visit Miami, I'm going to try going to catch some lighter cichlids. And again, they were found in 1981, and it is believed to be an aquarium release and or an aquaculture escape. Now, believe it or not, this is an invasive species of Florida, really invasive, and that is the sailfin pleco. All three sucker mouth catfishes or plecos in Florida have rows of bony plates covering all but their belly area. Sealfin plecos are distinguished by worm-like patterns of dark markings over the, on the head over a dark gold background, pectoral fin stout with rough surfaces resembling coarse sandpaper, dish-like, protrustable mouth is under the head, and used like a suction cup to attach and feed on algae. Females tend to be smaller, and fish larger than eight, 18 inches are probably males. Lifeless and hollowed out, armored bodies sometimes seen on canal and lake banks. The pleco is by far the most successful, abundant, and widespread uh, armored catfish in Florida and is found throughout Central and South Florida. Although the pleco has been in Florida since the 1950s, it is not widespread, being found primarily only in Miami-Dade and the Hillsbury counties. So the pleco is actually one of the few um, invasive species that continues to breed and reproduce from the 1950s even to today. There are a lot of pluckos in Florida, and that is because a lot of people are releasing pluckos that got too big for their aquarium, and now it is causing pluckos to grow and thrive in Florida waterways. Okay. Now, the Oscar cichlid, that was found in 1960, and that is a aquarium release. Oscars are found all over Florida. You can go out in Miami and catch an Oscar. You can go out in Tampa Bay and catch an Oscar. When we lived in Florida, um, there were some Oscars that were in the local fish store that were caught by the employees at the local fish store. So Oscars are a very, very, very common fish in Florida. Um, you probably don't even have to go and get a, and get a captive bred or uh, imported Oscar from the fish store because you can go and catch one of your own in the wild. And the reason for that is because people kept releasing Oscars that got too big. But the Oscars, they thrive in Florida because they are a very hardy fish, they have the proper temperature, and they're in a big water volume. So they can eat, and then they reproduce and create more Oscars. The Oscars, I do have to say, are very nice looking, even though they are invasive there. Other rumored fish or other fish that are reported fish to be seen in Florida, but they are not confirmed by FWC, which is the Florida Wildlife Commission. Mentinus and Mylias silver dollars, Paku, convict cichlids, piranha, wolfish. So again, these are rumored, rumored or reported fish to be seen in Florida, but are not confirmed. 
Suradollars, Paku, Kajik Cichlids, Piranha, and Wolfish. Later on in this show, I will talk about invasive freshwater fish that enter the whole USA. Your Fish Stuff Freeze-Dried Krill. YourFishStuff.com are quite proud of their freeze-dried krill, as it is some of the finest krill you'll ever see. Freshly dried and packed, it comes straight to your door. It is one of YourFishStuff.com's most popular fish food, and for good reason, as our freeze-dried krill has unique nutritional qualities that make it a perfect food for many tropical fish. An excellent source of nutritional acetoxin will bring out the natural colors of your fish. And its high protein, lipid, and mineral content promote good health and conditioning. Harvested from the clean, cool waters of Antarctica and dried here in the United States of America, you will not find a higher quality krill. All types of fish enjoy krill, from freshwater to saltwater, cichlids to koi. This Antarctica Ocean relative of the shrimp is a crustacean, which is a part of many fish's natural diet. It can be taken whole by larger fish or crushed by hand for smaller fish. YourFishStuff.com is proud to provide fish keepers with quality freeze-dried krill. Prices. A quarter a pound of freeze-dried krill, $9.99. A half pound is $17.99. One pound is $34.99. Two pounds is $67.99. And five pounds is $159.99. You can find the freeze-dried krill in the freeze-dried food section of YourFishStuff.com or simply go to www.YourFishStuff.com forward slash freeze-dried krill. Right now, I'm going to discuss the marine saltwater invasive fish in Florida. Saltwater invasive species in Florida. The following information is taken from Florida Wildlife Commission website. Lionfish. Lionfish are an invasive species that have a potential negative impact on native species and habitat. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conversation Commission encourages people to remove lionfish from Florida waters to help limit negative impacts to native marine life and ecosystems. Lionfish can be speared, caught in handheld nets, or caught on hook and line, and there is no recreational or commercial bag limit. Lionfish were first reported off Florida's Atlantic coast near Dania Beach in 1985. 
We do not know for sure how the first release into our waters occurred, but we do know the invasion began with only a handful of fish. We also know a release from ballast water was not likely the culprit, as there is very little shipping from lionfish's native range to our waters that occurs without the exchange of a ballast water beforehand. In the 2000s, the species began to be recorded off the Atlantic coast of North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia, while reports from Bermuda and Florida continued. Since the mid-2000s, lionfish reports have increased rapidly. As of 2010, they have even begun to show up in areas where lionfish previously were not found, such as along the northern Gulf of Mexico of Pensacola and Apicola. Movement of lionfish likely followed currents up the Atlantic coast around to the Bahamas and then into the Gulf. Lionfish have been found in shallow waters and in depths up to 1,000 feet and in temperatures as cold as 48 to 50 degrees. Although they have been found as far north as Rhode Island in the summer, they do not survive the winter there. However, they can, they can survive low salinities for short periods of time. So they don't have to have the full 1.020 to 1.028 for very long because they can survive in low salinities too. Impacts. Lionfish are a predatory reef fish. They eat native fish, which can reduce native populations and have negative effects on the overall reef habitat and health as they can eliminate species that serve important ecological roles, such as fish that keep algae in check on the reefs. Lionfish also compete for food with native predatory fish, such as the grouper and the snapper. All right, so the lionfish is one of the... Um, most popular and the only well-known saltwater invasive species that uh, is happening in Florida. The lionfish is the only saltwater fish, to my knowledge, that I found. However, there is one more fish that I'm going to tell you about. And unfortunately for me, this fish is one of my personal favorite saltwater fish. I will never understand how this fish or why do you want to release this fish into the ocean? Irresponsible fish keepers. That's an irresponsible fish keeper. One-spot fox-faced rabbit fish. Yes, that's right, folks. A one-spot fox face was found in Florida. This was just found recently in October of 2016. A citizen scientist spotted a popular aquarium fish, the blotched foxface, a species of rabbit fish, while scuba diving offshore of Dinah Beach, Florida, last week. Within 24 hours of receiving the sighting report, a coordinated effort by Reef Environmental Education Foundation and the U.S. Geological Survey led to the live capture of the fish. 
Like the lionfish, the rabbit fish is a venomous fish with a ferocious appetite. But while the lionfish preys on marine life, the rabbit fish prefers marine vegetation like seaweed, algae, and seagrasses. Scientists say both fish were likely introduced to Florida waters through aquarium releases. Since only one rabbit fish has been found, scientists can't say for certain if it has established a population in Florida. Because of this, the one-spot fox face is considered a non-native species rather than an invasive species. Still, non-native sightings are a cause for concern. Florida's newest non-native marine fish, the blotched fox-faced rabbit, will be on display at the Patricia and Philip Frost Museum of Science in Miami, Florida, when the stores open in 2017. So the fox face is actually on display at the Patricia and Philip Museum now because it is. It's past early 2017. And the last um, invasive species that... I have found for saltwater is the regal damsel. There is a huge school of regal damsels that are schooling on the Florida coast, but I could not find any information on them. So I'll just say that the regal damsels are a saltwater invasive species in Florida. So for saltwater, the volatile lionfish, the one-spot foxface, and regal damsels are the saltwater invasive species. I love the lionfish, and I love the fox face. So when I'm keeping them, they're staying where they belong in the aquarium. So that's all I can find on saltwater invasive species. YourFishStuff.com Tropical Flakes. Your Fish Stuff Tropical Flakes are designed for all types of fish. These are great for a community tank. Loaded with salmon, shrimp, krill, spirulina, and kelp, you will see why this is one of our best fish food sellers. Fantastic and fresh. Compare our ingredients and see the difference in your fish and the clarity of your aquarium water. We don't use low-cost fillers that just contribute to higher maintenance time and cost. Better quality food will save you time, effort, and money in the long run. Your fish will look fantastic, your water will be clearer, and you will not have to replace or clean your filter pads as often. All of our foods are made in small batches of 100 pounds or less and manufactured right here in the United States of America using high quality ingredients growing and processed in the USA. This process results in very fresh and large flakes with no preservatives. No small powdered flakes that clog your filters. High quality fresh large flakes your fish are sure to love. Prices: a quarter pound five ninety nine, a half pound seventy uh, seven ninety nine, one pound ten ninety nine, two pounds twenty one ninety nine, and five pounds forty seven ninety nine. To purchase this, please go to yourfishstuff.com forward slash flip. All right. So now let's cover 
invasive freshwater fish that are found all over the United States of America. And you're going to see news stories on your local news station from time to time with reports of an invasive fish species caught by a fisherman or found in a local lake, pond, or river. And in my research, I found that these are the top invasive freshwater fish that are found all over Florida. These are the top five invasive fish that are found all over the United States and Florida and all over the whole United States. Paku, tilapia, Asian swamp eel, and snakeheads. Those are the top four, and the fifth possibly being the Oscar. Now, for saltwater fish, the lionfish is found all over the United States of America. So, again, invasive fish found all over the USA include the Paku, tilapia, Asian swamp eel, snakehead, Oscar, and lionfish. I think right now would be the best time to discuss what impacts invasive tropical fish can have on native fish and native oceans, rivers, lakes, and ponds. So the question is, what makes a species invasive? Introducing a species into a new environment may have a variety of outcomes. An exotic or alien species is one that has been introduced to a new place but does not necessarily have negative consequences. For example, the lionfish and, for example, the uh, pleco. And when I say, for example, I mean these fish, uh, they don't die. They survive. But like we all know, the lionfish eats the prey and stuff like that. So, for example, many fish species have been introduced into the Great Lakes for sport fishing. They have no documented negative impacts and provide recreational opportunities and a food source. However, when these alien species begin to have negative consequences in a new habitat, they are called invasive species. So scratch what I said earlier. This is where I can include the lionfish and plecos because the lionfish eat the, eat the other marine fish and they're eating all of the fish that the native predators, the groupers and the snappers can get to. So um, the lionfish, the plecos, they have the negative consequences. What I meant for the exotic or alien species, I wanted to say peacock bass and um, other fish that were added by the government. So that's what I meant. So exotic or alien species is a peacock bass because they're introduced by the government. However, the uh, alien species that uh, that are uh, they have the negative consequences in the habitat are the lionfish and pleco, as I said. But anyway, invasive species may cause environmental harm, economic harm, or impact human health. A key factor that makes many species invasive is a lack of predators in the new environment. This is complex and results from thousands of years of evolution in a different place. Predators 
and prey co-evolve in a phenomenon called the co-evolutionary uh, co arms race. What this means is that as prey evolve better defenses, predators in turn evolve better ways of expositing prey. The classic example of this comes from the cheetah and the antelope. Faster antelope survive better because they can run better or they can, they can better escape uh, cheetahs. The fastest cheetahs then survive better because they can better catch the faster antelope. Neither species ultimately gains an advantage because they continually evolve in response to one, one another. However, when a plant or animal enters a new environment, they will likely encounter predators who have not been evolving with them, which makes these predators unable to successfully exploit the prey. Defense mechanisms like venom, size, or speed that have been matched by adaptation and predators are suddenly without match in a new environment. This can allow the species to proliferate rapidly as it no longer faces any predators, a.k.a. the lionfish. Once introduced, exotic or non-indigenous species are separated from the predators, parasites, and diseases that kept them in balance in their native environment. With such controls lost or diminished, the species often become pests, some to the extent that they injure ecosystems and cause economic damage. In addition, some species have adaptations that allow them to overtake and possibly displace resident species. Exotic species that cause these negative impacts can be described as nuisance, injurious, or invasive, depending on the general degree of harm. All right. So here is the message you will see on fish transport bags at PetSmart, Petco, and some mom and dad fish stores. This is a message that you're going to get when you purchase fish store. And have you guys ever noticed the writing on uh, the fish bags at the fish stores and pet stores send your fish home? Well, that is from a company called Habitatitude. All right, so Habitatitude is a conversation state of mind that commits to environmental protection by not releasing unwanted fish or aquatic plants into public areas. Now, you'll see that on a fish bag that where you purchase your fish. Now, Habitatitude is a national initiative developed by the Aquatic Nuisance Species Task Force in partnership with the Pet Industry Joint Adversary Council, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the Sea Grant, and NOAA. Protecting our environment in order to continue enjoying our natural resources, we must protect them. Some people, as well as commercial and governmental groups, have knowingly and or accidentally introduced aquatic invasive species to our waters. An invasive species or aquatic hitchhiker is a species not native to a body of water and causes ecological harm. 
If these species become established, they can cause environmental damage, degrade aquatic resources, and make waters unusable for recreation. Collectively, these species, both territorial and aquatic, cost our country billions of dollars in damages every year. They impact, their impact reduces fish populations, reduces boat engines, and ruins boat engines, makes lakes and rivers unusable by boaters and swimmers, increases operating costs of water treatment power in industrial processing plants, and it reduces native species, degrades ecosystems, and reduces property values, says Habitatitude. What you can do to help aquarists, pond owners, and water gardeners all share a common responsibility to our water resources and to the life species they own. By having these species, we must accept certain responsibilities to care for the species' well-being and provide a suitable environment, to maintain and take the appropriate steps to keep the species in our privately owned enclosures contained, to properly relocate these species, fish, or plants if they are not native to our aquatic system, to follow the laws of your state regarding the acquisition, collection, position, uh, purchase, sale, release, and transfer of ownership of these non-native plants, plant and fish species. So make sure you guys follow the laws of your state regarding the acquisition, collection, possession, and purchase and sale. If you acquired a undesirable non-native aquatic plant or fish species for your aquarium or water garden, it is important not to release these plants or fish into the environment, including not flushing them into the city sewer or the city sewer system. Habitatitude encourage you to choose one of these alternatives. Contact the store where the plant or fish was purchased for proper handling advice and or possible return. Give or trade with another aquarist, pond owner, or water gardener. Donate to a local aquarium society, school, or aquatic bags. Seal aquatic plants in plastic bags and dispose in trash. Contact a veterinarian specializing in exotics for guidance on humane disposal of fish. Habitatitude is about consumer awareness and responsible behaviors. We must all work together to prevent the proliferation of harmful plants, fish, and other animals throughout our country. Stopping the spread of these species represents one of the greatest natural resource challenges. And that is the Habitatitude message that you'll see at Petco, PetSmart, and um, some mom-and-pop fish stores. All right. Wow, I'm winded. But that was a lot of great information so far. We're an hour and a minute into the show, and I have a lot of information that I gave out. But I still have a lot more information to give out tonight because I'm going to be talking about how to safely rehome fish my personal way, and I'm going to have a lecture on the proper aquarium keeping 
and proper research. So we have a lot more information to come on today's show. Yourfishstuff.com freeze-dried plankton. Plankton is a bite-sized treat with a big punch for any freshwater or saltwater fish. All natural, tasty for fish. Enhances color and is remarkably healthy. All add up to one serious snack. Plankton's unique nutritional qualities make it an almost perfect food for many fish. An excellent source of not natural as toxin. It will bring out the natural colors of your fish. It's high in protein and highly unsaturated fatty acid content promotes good health and conditioning. Nutritionally comparable to its larger cousin, krill. All types of fish enjoy plankton. This Pacific Ocean relative of the shrimp is a crustacean, which is a part of many fishes' natural diet. Now you can find freeze-dried plankton at yourfishstuff.com forward slash freeze-dried. For a quarter pound, $10.99. For a half pound, $18.99. One pound, $38.99. Two pounds, $79.99. And five pounds, $199.99. I'm going to go ahead and take a break from our topic tonight, a short break, and get us ready for our intermission. So we're going to get ready for intermission, but before that, I have some awesome and epic announcements to make for Aquatic Wetline. This is going to be awesome, so listen loud and clearly. We're going to step back from our topic for a few moments, and we're going to have some good news and then our intermission. So right now I'll start with the news. Aquatic Wetline 2017 Tropical Fish Champion, the Vaughnton Lionfish. The Vaughnton Lionfish was crowned the Tropical Fish Champion on Tropical Fish Mania. And the Vaughnton Lionfish is the champion. The champion is going to get his own week on Aquatic Wetline. Next week on the Aquatic Wetline, the Lionfish celebrates its victory with the very first ever species-themed week, which will happen each and every year for the Aquatic Wetline Tropical Fish Champion crowned on Tropical Fish Mania. So every year, one fish species that is the winner will have a week dedicated to that fish. And next week is Lionfish Week. So Monday, May 1st, 2017, at 9 p.m. Eastern, is going to be Lionfish Week Introduction to Lionfish. Wednesday, May 3rd, at 9 p.m. Eastern, is going to be Tank Mates for Lionfish and Care for Lionfish. Thursday, May 4th, at 9 p.m., is going to be a Dwarf Lionfish Species Show. Saturday, May 6th, at... 5 p.m. is going to be a Patoris Valentine show, or excuse me, Patoris Valentine show. And Sunday, May 7th, is going to be a Patoris Lionfish show. 
So there's going to be some awesome shows for Lionfish Week next week. My next announcement, and boy, am I very excited for this. The 400th episode is quickly approaching. That's right, folks. Aquatic Wetline is quickly approaching its 400th episode. We have two confirmed guests already. Coast Gems USA owner Nimit, the Fancy Goldfish uh, guy, the Fancy Goldfish uh, company. Nimit is going to be here to talk about his business and Fancy Goldfish. We're also going to have Beantown Aquatics owner Andre Fritz on the show. And uh, I can't wait to talk about African sick with this Andre. And I cannot wait to talk about goldfish with the Coast Champs USA owner. We're also going to have one more special guest on the show. That's always going to be fun. And for topics for our 400th episode, I'm going to talk about the benefits of having rock and caves and aquariums for both freshwater and saltwater. I'm going to talk about the cheaper way to enjoy the hobby without spending huge amounts of money, as taught by my friend Jay. I'm going to talk about keeping naso and zebrasoma tangs in home aquariums plus orange shoulder tangs. I'm going to talk about keeping piranha in home aquariums. I'm going to talk about keeping wolfish in home aquariums. And I'm going to talk about keeping lungfish in home aquariums. Now, the projected date for the 400th episode of Aquatic Wetline is Saturday, May 19, 2017. All right, fish keepers, get ready for the very for the second. I was going to say the very first trivia game, but we already had that happen in April. But anyway, fish keepers, get ready for the second trivia game. May 2017 Aquatic Wetline Trivia Game. This time, there's going to be three prizes. The first prize is sponsored by YourFishStuff.com, and it is a five-pound box of fish food. The second prize is sponsored by Crayfish Kings, the crayfish man James Jones, and it's going to be a crayfish from Crayfish Kings. And the third prize is going to be a better fish with fish food or a $20 Petco gift card. So, again, there's three prizes on the May 2017 Aquatic Whitline Trivia Game, five pounds of fish food from yourfishstuff.com, a crayfish from Crayfish Kings, James Jones, a live betta and betta food, or a $20 Peco gift card. Sign up now. Signing up is simple. Email aquaticwetline at outlook.com with your name, location, favorite fish, and the fish you are currently keeping. Eight spots are open, so sign up now. Aquatic Wetline Trivia Game for May airs on Saturday, May 27th, 2017, at 9 p.m. Eastern and 8 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Mountain, and 6 p.m. Pacific. Ladies and gentlemen, what are you waiting for? You can, win a, you can have a chance to win five pounds of fish food, a live crayfish, and a live betta. Three winners. Three winners. And there are three awesome prizes. So please go ahead and sign up. And the show is going to air on the 27th. Now, to see the very first winner, 
and this prize, the yourfishstuff.com five-pound box prize. Please go to my YouTube channel, AC Tropical Fish 1993, and I have his unboxing there. It's also on my Facebook group, Tropical Fish Keepers of Aquatic Wetline. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my next news for you is Aquatic Wetline is getting ready to air its second edition of Hall of Fame. Aquatic Wetline Hall of Fame is going to air its second episode in June, on June 25th, 2017 to be exact. The inductee for the show is going to be Blue View Aquatics owner Josh Rodriguez. Now, if you guys don't remember, he's been on the show many times before, starting in 2014. He lives right here in Springfield, Massachusetts. He's a very passionate fish keeper, and he owns a water change and aquarium maintenance company right here in uh, Massachusetts. So the inductee for June 2017 is going to be Blue View Aquatics owner Josh Rodriguez, and his inductor is to be determined. We don't know. I don't know who he wants to induct him yet. Aquatic Wetland doesn't know, so his inductor will be determined. Now Josh is a passionate fish keeper with a bright future ahead of him. He owns and runs a company called Blue View Aquatics, which is an aquarium maintenance service driven by a passionate fish keeper. So we'll have more information on that when the time comes. Life in the Amazon is returning to Aquatic Wetline, and also Life in the Ocean is going to be debuting. Life in the Ocean is going to be the same thing as Life in the Amazon, except I'm going to be talking about... um, uh, saltwater fish. So I'm going to be talking about like the Hawaiian oceans, the uh, Sri Lanka oceans, things like that. Also, coming to Aquatic Wetline, uh, we're going to have our four-year anniversary celebration. And uh, we're going to be celebrating our fourth year of Aquatic Wetline on August 28, 2017. And I'll have more information for that later on as well. One last one last thing I will say before we take our intermission, I was a guest on, to, on a William T. show today called The Euphoric Network. You can listen to that show by going to my show description, and there's a link to that podcast under the, under the, under the uh, comment that says, check out the show Aqua Alex was a guest on today. That was a show that I was on, and I, was, I had the pleasure of being a guest on William T.'s show. So you guys can... Uh, Check out that show later on and listen to it. All right, so we've been talking for about an hour and two. I've been talking about invasive fish species, and I just gave you guys the news for aquatic wetline, which I will recap later on in the show. But right now we're going to go ahead and take a short commercial break, and when we come back I'm going to talk about the importance of proper research, proper aquarium keeping, and the responsible way of rehoming your fish. We're back with more right after these two songs and our infomercials.
Baby, you only need the light when it's burning low. Only miss the sun when it starts to snow. Only know you love her when you let her go. Only know you've been high when you're feeling low. Only hate the road when you're missing home. Only know you love her when you let her go. And you let her go.
Wetline is brought to you by YourFishStuff.com. YourFishStuff.com provides hobbyists with quality homemade fish food and aquarium supplies. The Your Fish Stuff difference. Buy direct and save. Buy direct from Your Fish Stuff. No middleman, no food masses produced by large corporations, no food sitting around in warehouses. Just fresh, healthy food from your fish stuff to you. Quality ingredients like fish meal, shrimp, squid, kelp, spirulina, and corella algae. Doesn't cloud water. And all of their fish food is made fresh, crafted in small batches, hobbyists owned and operated. And all of their fish food is made right here in the good old U.S. of A. So check out YourFishStuff.com for quality fish food and aquarium equipment such as nets, filters, medications, and more. That's www.YourFishStuff.com, a proud sponsor of Aquatic Wetline.
to post pictures of your tropical fish, post videos of your tropical fish, post links to your fish keeping YouTube channel, or just chat fish. One of the added benefits of this group is I'm going to do a Facebook Live fish video every Sunday, starting the first Sunday of March. So make sure you go and join Tropical Fish Keepers of Aquatic Wetline on Facebook. Not only to post pictures of your fish, Jackson, but to see me live on Facebook in a Facebook Live video every Sunday. So what are you waiting for? Go join right now. Tropical Fish Keepers of Aquatic Wetline on Facebook. Spreading the news, Chef Alex is back and better than ever. It brings me joy in telling you that Chef Cardinale Cooking Show is relaunching and returning on May 6, 2017. Come be a part of what will be the most successful cooking podcast once again. Go to www.blogtalkradio forward slash Chef Cardinale Cooking Show. This will be your one spot to get the latest cooking trends and delicious recipes. To all the fish keepers who like to cook, now you know what cooking podcast to check out. I'm Chef Alex and I approve this message. Hey, yeah, uh, this is the Aquatic Wetline, a tropical fish-keeping show brought to you by Aqua Alex in Springfield, Massachusetts. Let's get back to the tropical fish chat right now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen... Welcome back to the Aquatic Wetline here on Block Talk Radio. I'm Aqua Alex, live from my fish room here in Springfield, Massachusetts. And tonight we are talking about invasive species, invasive tropical fish species that enter our waterways here in the United States, whether it be freshwater, saltwater, ocean, lake, pond, or river. If you're just tuning in now, you missed a good portion of the show where I talked about some of the most common invasive fish species and the impact that they have for um, uh, the impact that they have for the native species and the native waters. And you missed some news for the aquatic wetline. But if you're just tuning in now, have no fear. You can go ahead and re-listen to the show when it archives to hear the first part of today's show and uh, later on in the show before I close the show I'm going to recap some of the news that I made tonight for the aquatic wetline but coming up right now I'm going to have a lecture on the importance of proper aquarium housing and proper research okay and then I'm also going to talk to you about um, safely and responsibly rehoming your aquarium fish because it is something that everyone needs to know because I know there is going to be a time that um, there's going to be a time that you do want to rehome a tropical fish. 
So let's get started right now because uh, I have a lot more stuff to cover on today's show. So here we go. Here is my lecture on the importance of proper aquarium housing and proper research. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, tropical fish keepers, research is very important. Before you go out and purchase a fish you think is cute or precious, research it to see how big it gets, what care it needs, its compatibility. A huge reason why fish enter our native waters is because people buy tropical fish without researching. With today's technology, it takes what, 30 seconds to a minute to do a Google search? Even at the fish store to find information on the fish. You will see how big the fish gets, its care, etc. Now, folks, let me ask you something. You do research before you buy a car, a house, or even a dog, right? Well, the same thing goes for fish. You need to do the same with fish. You need to research the fish that you want to get. There is nothing worse than getting an Oscar, a Paku, or a Clown Knife or other monster fish and seeing it grow to a huge size, cramped in a 29 to 55-gallon aquarium, and then the owner, not sure what to do, releases it in the rakes, livers, ponds, or oceans. I will say it one more time. Do your research. Do your research, ladies and gentlemen. All of these invasive species could have been prevented if people did their research. I will go out on a limb and say something very controversial that may put a lot of heat on me, but it is true. The reason why snakeheads are banned in the entire country of the United States is because back in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, people would buy snakeheads, put them in small aquariums, feed them live food, thinking they are a cool fish, and they are the it fish for the, uh, for the teenage years. Then when they got too big, people released them in the waterways in the United States of America, not realizing snakeheads are hardy and could survive out of water for quite a while. There are rumors of over 1,000 snakeheads in the southern states of America alone. It is mostly the aquarium hobbyist reason that snakeheads will always be banned. All right, it's the, it's the fish keepers from the 80s, 90s, and 2000. It's their fault while fish keepers from our generation will not be able to... Um, keep snakeheads. I'm sorry, but it is what it is. Now, I fear that 10 years from now, I will be looking back at the show, and at that time, Pacus, Oscars, Clown Knife, Lionfish, and other fish that we love will be banned. There have already been two government discussions on banning tropical fish imports, but luckily, they have been turned down. Fish keepers, potential fish keepers. We have the power to stop invasive fish species. That's right, we have the power to stop them. 
research and keep them happy in your aquarium. Never, ever release them. Folks, use technology to your advantage. And remember to tell people, if you see them buying a fish that grows to a large size, that grows to a large size at a local fish store, that that fish gets big and some other info because they may or may not know. So again, if you see a customer or somebody new entering the aquarium hobby buying a fish that grows to a large size at a local fish store, tell them that the fish gets big and some other info because they may or may not know. Isn't that right, Brandy? Huh? Brandy's my uh, 10-month-old beagle who is um, sitting right next to me. She is also a, a fish keeper as well because she likes to watch me do my water changes. She's a good girl. Anyway, let's all help keep this hobby fish fishy. Let's all keep this fish hobby fishy, and let's make the tropical fish hobby a success for years and years to come. And let's keep the nice, exotic, tropical fish exotic in our aquariums. Again, let's all keep this hobby fish fishy. And let's make the tropical fish hobby a success for years and years to come. And let's keep the nice, exotic, tropical fish exotic in our aquariums. All right. So, like I said, you're going to need to research everything in the aquarium hobby if you want to be successful and you don't want to have to rehome a fish. You're going to want to research for proper care and a proper tank size for a fish. And you're going to want to be willing to upgrade when needed. And you're going to want to provide the fish with clean water and everything it needs to survive. So you could do this by um, using a very, keeping a very large aquarium, 55 gallons and up for the fish that you have, and you're going to want to research the care for this particular fish species. And you're going to want to do water changes and use all of the equipment that you are going to need. Your fish stuff, freeze-dried brine shrimp, large cubed brine shrimp that can be broken into smaller sized chunks. Brine shrimp pressed into a cube-shaped tree. Large fish can devour it whole, while small fish can pick it apart. Make additional fish for breeding, high-quality foods are a must. Brine shrimp is an excellent conditioning food as well as a perfect treat for any fish, fresh water, or salt water. YourFishStuff.com is proud to present to you the aquarium hobbyist, quality, freeze-dried brine shrimp prices. A quarter of a pound is $10.99, a half pound is $20.99, one pound is $39.99, Two pounds is $74.99 and five pounds is 
freeze-dried brine shrimp, and all the other freeze-dried fish foods available, go to yourfishstuff.com forward slash freeze-dried or to simply purchase or purchase a freeze-dried brine shrimp, go to yourfishstuff.com forward slash freeze-dried brine shrimp. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get into our final topic for tonight, and that is to, and that is how to safely rehome or remove fish. Let's say you have an aggressive cichlid, a fish too large for your aquarium, or a fish you no longer want to keep, and you would like to remove it from your aquarium so that you can end aggression or get a new fish. There are safe, environmentally friendly, and respectable ways to rehome and remove exotic tropical fish. Here are my ways that you can responsibly rehome tropical fish. Turn them into your local fish store. Some stores will do trade-ins and give you credit in which you can save or buy a new fish. This ensures that the fish stays in the aquarium hobby where it belongs and another fish keeper will be able to keep the fish. I know that there is one fish store in my area that does trade-ins and they do give credit and a lot of people use the credit to buy fish or fish food or fish supplies. That is the first thing that I recommend because you never know. There are fish stores that do want some uh, decent-sized fish and they'll give you a lot of money for them or they'll give you something for them. So if you always, uh, if you have a fish that you want to get rid of, always consider um, turning them into your local fish store. On a side note, here is how much you can expect for certain fish, because uh, most of the time the fish stores have these species of fish uh, at a smaller size. Once uh, Brandon gets off my screen here. Come on, girl. She's my puppy, huh? She's curious, huh? Okay, Brandy. Come on, honey. I apologize for that, folks. Okay, here we go. So, like I was saying on a side note, here is how much credit you can expect for certain fish. Now, keep in mind that um, local fish stores are going to probably have most of these fish as juveniles. Um, so they're possibly not going to want huge size, but they will sometimes want them because sometimes customers ask for a bigger size. So Oscars and Pacus, you can expect 5 to $20, depending on size. Claw knife, arowanas, red-tailed catfish, tiger shovel and other monster fish, you can expect 15 to $45. For saltwater, lionfish, triggers, and other large predatory fish, anywhere from 30 to $75. And again, it all depends on the individual store owner and the individual um, fish store. Now, if trading them in at your fish store is out of the question, then you can put them up for sale on Facebook fish groups, Craigslist, and a site called LetGo. I have had much success doing this personally. Matter of fact, all the fish I owned, I have sold on Facebook and Craigslist, and I have also brought some into the fish store. 
But I will tell you, you'll get money if you put them on Craigslist or Facebook fish groups. There are fish groups all over uh, Facebook, and almost every every uh, state has one. So I really recommend putting them up for sale on Facebook fish groups and Craigslist. Give them away for free as a last resort. Hey, it keeps the fish alive and helps the environment. If you have a fish for sale on Craigslist or um, a Facebook fish group and no one's buying, then offer them up for free. Uh, make a free post on Craigslist or a Facebook group or just give them to your fish store for free or ask for a little bit of uh, store credit. And the, the next thing you can do is The last thing you can do to, to keep your fish alive is to contact the local zoo or aquarium. Sometimes they will take in large monster fish because it means they don't have to take fish from the wild. You will be surprised. Almost all of the fish in the Springfield, Massachusetts Museum freshwater Amazon tank are all large returned aquarium specimens from the large humongous Paku to the Severums in there. The best thing to do is to contact the head manager or caretaker of the fish in the zoo or aquarium and explain to them the situation and tell them about the fish. They usually have to go to the person in charge of the zoo and aquarium, the higher up, so to speak, to discuss things because they want to make sure the fish is compatible and something that the people would want to see and if it fits into their theme, because some some uh, zoos and museums do Amazon themes, they also do Asian themes, African themes, etc. Then if they say yes, they get the fish and put it in quarantine for a while, and then they get put in a huge display tank. However, if they say no, it is because they don't have any more space, but... They'll still help you. They will tell you other zoos or aquariums you can try, or they will give you advice on how to safely remove or euthanize if need be. But I personally hate, hate that recommendation because I don't want to euthanize a fish because someone was irresponsible. If worst comes to worst, then you're going to have to um, euthanize a fish because you don't want to reach into our into the our area because if not native, it can cause a lot of damage. Personally, I have never ever done this because I think it's cruel to make the fish suffer for a fish keeper's or a person's irresponsibility. Please never put yourself in this difficult situation either. Upgrade to a bigger tank or don't buy large fish and do your research, folks. Don't put yourself in this situation. I have seen this situation a lot on Facebook fish groups and fish forums, and I cringe all the time. So don't do that. But the most humane way to euthanize, in my opinion, is to catch the fish, place it in a small bag with a small amount of tank water, and place it in a freezer. The fish will die from the cold, and it will be a humane way to die, I guess. I only recommend this, though, for fish that are too sick or too ill to fully recover. 
definitely not a way to kill a fish because you are irresponsible. You didn't do your research. Okay. I hope you guys and gals learned a lot on today's show. I hope that you will help. I hope that this will help you enjoy the hobby and keep the exotic tropical fish species exotic. Please share tonight's show and information with all your fish-keeping friends to make sure the message gets out to everyone. I'm going to wrap up the show right after this message from our sponsor. So we're going to hear the message from our sponsor. I'm going to recap the show news, and then we'll end today's wonderful show. Aquatic Wetline is brought to you by YourFishStuff.com. YourFishStuff.com provides hobbyists with quality homemade fish food and aquarium supplies. The Your Fish Stuff difference. Buy direct and save. Buy direct from Your Fish Stuff. No middleman, no food masses produced by large corporations, no food sitting around in warehouses. Just fresh, healthy food from your fish stuff to you. Quality ingredients like fish meal, shrimp, squid, kelp, spirulina, and corella algae. Doesn't cloud water. And all of their fish food is made fresh, crafted in small batches, hobbyists owned and operated. And all of their fish food is made right here in the good old U.S. of A. So check out YourFishStuff.com for quality fish food and aquarium equipment such as nets, filters, medications, and more. That's www.YourFishStuff.com, a proud sponsor of Aquatic Wetline. Alright, so before I end today's show, I would like to quickly recap some of our news that I gave out earlier on the show. Once again, folks, next week here on Aquatic Wetline, it's going to be Lionfish Week, where I'm going to have several shows focusing on the Aquatic Wetline 2017 Tropical Fish Champion, the Lionfish. It all begins next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Our 400th episode is projected to air on Saturday, May 19th. And our guests are going to be uh, Coast Jam USA owner, Nimit, I think his name is. He is a fancy goldfish online website and other fish as well. We're also going to have Beantown Aquatics, Andre Fritz, on the show. He'll be on here to talk about African cichlids. And then also we're going to have a very special guest with some awesome topics. And don't forget, our next Aquatic Wetline Trivia game is on May 27th. There's going to be three prizes. There's going to be a prize from YourFishStuff.com, five pounds of wonderful fish food. There's going to be a live crayfish from CrayfishKings.com. And there's also going to be a Petco gift card or a live beta from Aqua Alex and the Aquatic Wetline. Blue View Aquatics, Josh Rodriguez is the next Hall of Fame inductee. He'll have his Hall of Fame show on June 25th. And, of course, Life in the Amazon Returns and Life in the Ocean debuts. Those are all of our exciting news for tonight. I would like to thank my puppy, Brandy, for making her very first appearance 
on Aquatic Wetland, even though you can't hear her. She's right here. Uh, Brandy is a very, very nice beagle. So thank you, Brandy, for being here. <laughs> and I also would like to say thank you to all of my listeners out there for this wonderful topic idea. I had a lot of fun talking about it, and I hope you guys will walk away with a lot of information from today's show. Well, unfortunately, we have run out of time. I, Aqua Alice Cardinelli, thank you for listening to the Aquatic Wetline. Please share tonight's show on your social media site by copying and pasting the show URL on your Facebook status, Twitter tweet, and more. Until our next fish chat, keep exotic fish exotic and enjoy the aquarium hobby. Tank on, everyone. Good night, everybody, from Aqua Alex in Springfield, Massachusetts. episode of the aquatic wetline has concluded aqua alex thanks you for listening to his show please check out aquatic wetline fish keeping podcast on facebook and hit like for tropical fish facts and more feel free to reach aqua alex at aquatic wetline at outlook.com with any tropical fish questions your questions may make the show good night